0: This is Matt Pennington with Radio Free Asia. Welcome to our podcast, Eyes on Asia, where we look each week at some of the key stories in the region as covered by RFA and speak to journalists who cover them. I'm joined by Paul Eckert, who heads up RFA's English language service. How are you doing, Paul?
1: I'm well, as I usually am on Friday. But I'm also especially grateful not to be a Canadian passport holder in China these days.
0: So why would that be? Well, I got an inkling why it is, but can you spell it out?
1: Well, two words. Hostage diplomacy, Matt. China has grabbed at least two Canadians that we know of and ramped up uh, the jail sentence of another to drive home its opposition to Canada's arrest of a Chinese telecoms executive from Huawei, who is uh, being held pending an extradition treaty to the United States, an extradition procedure.
0: Yeah, those cases have got a lot of attention this week. It does seem a very Maligned way to treat the citizens of a foreign nation.
1: Indeed, and Canada was a fairly China-friendly country uh, two, three years ago, and now they've been pushed into the hawkish camp uh, of the in the West.
0: Now, yeah, well, what goes around comes around. So, you know, on Southeast Asia this week, if I if I can share with you, we did some very good stories. I thought from the Burmese service about some of uh, a couple of volunteers who have helped uh, ordinary people cope with the terrible COVID uh, wave of coronavirus that has swept through Myanmar these past weeks. There's was one a 13-year-old volunteer at a funeral association who's been helping ship bodies from houses to crematoria in Myanmar's biggest city. And um, we also had a very good story, I think you had a hand in this one, about a uh, nun in Kachin State in the north of Myanmar, who has also been volunteering to help uh, uh, people during the COVID pandemic.
1: They were beautiful, moving stories, Matt. And though I hesitate to use the word silver lining, it's impossible not to be really moved by the, the purity of the commitment to humanitarianism that we've seen from those two examples, but from Burmese throughout the crisis.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's fair. That's a very good point to make, Paul. So we have a theme for this week's podcast, um, which is certainly less inspiring than those stories from Myanmar. And that theme is COVID misinformation, not talking about quack cures and vaccination fear mongering, which is the kind of thing that's cropped up in many countries this past year and a half. Instead, we're looking at some revealing instances in which state media in authoritarian regimes in Asia have blurted out poorly sourced information that was later exposed as as being totally made up. I will be looking at the story of a supposedly heroic but in fact fictitious doctor in Vietnam, Doctor Kwa, who supposedly pulled his own COVID inflicted afflicted parents off ventilators to save a pregnant woman um, who was about to give birth with twins whose need was greater than his own flesh and blood. So more on that story later. But first, we turn to the missteps of Chinese state media in promoting a story about a Swiss biologist who had some uncharitable things to say, supposedly, about the United States' attitude toward the pandemic. Over to
1: you, Paul. Well, our guest this week is Jane Tong, and she's become our go-to reporter from RFA Mandarin Service for fake news related items in China. The whole world is awash with fake news, especially fake news about the coronavirus pandemic, but China has a unique angle on this because the government pumps out a lot of this news indirectly or directly. Thank you for making time for us, Jane.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you again. The stories you'd worked on this week were fascinating, and they both involved the manufacture of fake persons, and also a doctor from Switzerland who was blaming the United States for starting the coronavirus and things like that. So those are very fascinating stories you did, Jane. Is it common for Chinese media outlets to fabricate stories like this or to carry fabricated stories? Um, uh, y-
2: you know, I think it's it's quite common to see a fabric story on Chinese tablet or, you know, self-media, media accounts on Weibo or WeChat. Um, you know, it's usually quite easy to spot. You know, they would cite these so-called foreign experts, foreign media, sometimes adding a, a screenshot, they usually push the narrative in favor of China. However, on, on this case you just mentioned, the, the, the Swiss doctor case, um, it's quite unusual to me because it's happened on big Chinese state-owned media outlet. Um, it first appeared on chinanews.com, Zhong Huang, and then it was widespread on renmin Riba, People's Daily, which is one of the biggest CCP propaganda branch. Um, so well, with all these this fabric story we've seen in recent months around COVID origin, I think we can see that China actually really doubled down on these baseless COVID conspiracy theory and fake news. To me, it shows a sense of desperation from the propaganda department. When I was working on the story this week, I talked to some people who work or used to work at Chinese media, and they mentioned they're face, facing, like, pressure to follow the government's order on guiding the public opinion when it comes to COVID origin narrative, which, you know, I think it's a way to explain how we've seen a lot of incidents this, this past month.
1: That's a helpful insight, Jane. And you pointed out that normally state media doesn't go this far. They're, they're a bit cautious. You know, right. they still carry an angry line towards the West when required to, but they don't go out and out like that. Uh,
2: That's true. What
1: struck me as strange is they carried the, the they did this, this went out in English too, didn't it? The Swiss doctor tweet was in English, wasn't it not? Or was it in Chinese only?
2: Yeah, I believe it's in English. Uh, the tweet was in English first, and then it was picked up um, by Zhongxinwang, uh, 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 which is uh, China in in Mandarin and then translate it into English. So the whole operation is just, you would be surprised how a big say don't meet the operation would be like that. It's not even like, you know, fact check or anything.
1: Yeah, well, we do know that uh, the, the Wolf Warrior, the famous Wolf Warrior diplomats at the top, I'm thinking of Hua Chunying and Zhao Lijian. Zhao Lijian, yeah, Zhao Lijian.
2: Zhao Lijian,
1: forgive me, Zhao, Zhao Lijian. Both of them have been caught tweeting fake news, out and out fake news and conspiracy theories. Is it common for Chinese media to correct these stories when they get caught? uh, Because the communist regime makes it difficult to admit to make a mistake. It's politically dangerous. China rarely admits the public, admits a mistake Mm -hmm. to people or to the world. So is it common for them to correct these errors?
2: Um, in the past year or so, I don't think it's common they correct their error, but on this case, on the Switzerland case, you know, you, when you have the embassy of Switzerland coming out and say, this news is false, we don't have such expert, I believe they even make a joke on social media, like, we want to know this doctor. Um, Anyway, it's quickly make Chinese media in a pretty embarrassing situation internationally, especially it was spread in English, too. So they Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised they took this one down. However, like you say, I think most of the time they would let these fake news circulating, especially if the purpose of spreading the fake stories is to guide public opinions. In fact, this Mm -hmm. morning, I, I still see some of the Weibo accounts still, you know, circulate this this Swiss Switzerland expert um, quote.
1: Well, yeah. yeah. Well, right here in America, fake news is hard to kill. Some of the old stuff that from the earlier part of the coronavirus is still being passed around. So we can sympathize to a degree with them. Mm-hmm. It's my experience that every journalist who's worked in China has a favorite Chinese fake news story or planted news story, uh, and that even goes back to late. A fung the original labor hero from the early 1960s. And that's a classic sort of communist mythical hero. What's your favorite Chinese fake news story, Jane, either from your RFA reporting or from earlier on the mainland?
2: Oh, uh, gosh. Um, you know, I think, yeah, in, in, especially in the past year or so, I think we, uh, we journalists following Chinese news closely have encountered a lot of these incidents. Now, on top of my head... Um, I think it was last April at the time, you know, China was facing a lot of criticism on the outbreak of COVID origin and hiding it from the world. Uh, To change that narrative, uh, the Chinese consular staff in the U.S. tried to press legislator of the U.S. state of, uh, I believe it's Wisconsin, to pass a resolution praising China handling the outbreak um, and then the Wisconsin Senate president, Roger Ross, ended up revealing that email from Chinese consular staff. Um, the oh. wording was so blunt, you know, basically saying praise China in public. And um, to me, that was a good example and a reveal of how um, this Chinese propaganda branch work on the ground and push for this borderline um, fake news or to their audience. Yeah,
1: yeah that's that's a tricky one. And they, 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 at some level, they're just doing their jobs, <laughs> but it's often so clumsy that it ends up looking worse than if they just said nothing, is <laughs> my right. experience. You yeah. also wrote about deep fakes, and this is not just creating news, this is creating artificial people who, of course, agree mm-hmm. with the Communist Party views. In your own experience, mm-hmm. have you had to deal with this, either reporting or reaching out to people and finding out they're fake? Do you have any experience yourself with what you think was a deep, fake person online?
2: Mm. You know, I, I did. I remember when I was doing this story about Chinese foreign spokesperson Jolly Jin's Twitter last year. Um, I did feel something very strange. A lot of his followers are relatively new accounts. They have very, you know, standard profile photo, but their behavior on social media are very identical. They, they only retweet Chinese officials' tweets. They barely interact or express any personal opinion. It's almost like they're a robot. And I believe last week, uh, a report by the Center of Information Resilience, uh, CIR, in the UK actually discovered this coordinated network of deepfake social media accounts pushing for you know, CCP's view in guise of ordinary account holders. And it's exactly like what I was just described when I found out on the Jolly Jin's followers. And they also were able, the CIR was able to analyze them and discover these accounts. and their profile photo was generated by AI. And according to report, the use of deepfake photos attached to these accounts is a relatively new phenomena by pushing the pro-China. Uh, propaganda. So definitely worth looking wow. on on it.
1: Yeah, yeah well, I, when I read your articles, I almost feel that there could be a full-time China fake news reporter at RFA and other news organizations, and you might just be the perfect person for that, Jane. Again, I Gosh. want to thank you for making time for us on a busy Friday.
2: Thank you, Paul.
0: I spoke a couple of weeks ago with Sun Nguyen of RFA Vietnamese about some heavy-handed measures of Vietnamese authorities to enforce a COVID lockdown. This week, I speak to him about some heavy-handed propaganda or misinformation that was exposed and got a couple of state media journalists and civil society activists into a bit of trouble for sharing it. Welcome, sir. Hi, Matt. Uh, thanks for having me. So tell me about the incredible Dr. Kwa.
3: Yes, sure. On uh Saturday, um, August 7th, um, in the evening, I think, everyone was resting and suddenly on uh, Facebook, Vietnamese language Facebook, disappeared um, uh, a story of uh, a doctor, a medical doctor named Khoa, who, uh, according to the Facebook post, uh, sacrificed his own parents to save a woman who uh, who was pregnant with twins' baby. So uh, the the story went as this. So Dr. Hoa, uh, whose parents are, are also doctor, and the three of them uh, worked very hard in um, uh, fighting COVID-19 in Vietnam. But unfortunately, his parents got COVID-19. And their health deteriorated very quickly, and they was hospitalized. And the hospital they was in, Doctor Hua was working as well. And um, as their health went badly, they was uh, eventually uh, hooked into a ventilator. However, because of the number of ventilators available was limited, and the demand for it was very high, so Doctor Hua was uh, forced into a very very uh, difficult circumstance where he has to decide whether he uh, lets his parents use a ventilator or uh, lets the woman, a pregnant woman uh, who was also um, contracted with COVID-19 and then her her baby was was about to to come out. So eventually, Dr. Hua decided to take their parents off the ventilator and and eventually save the woman. Uh, and he was also the one who um, did the C-section to uh, deliver the twins. But sadly, his parents couldn't make it, so they passed away. Um, right after the story was posted on Facebook, it got shared by a number of influential people on Facebook, including some of the uh, state media journalists and uh, civil society sectors and activists as well. And within uh, within hours, uh, tens of thousands of people shared the story, and it's become uh, it is became the most uh, debate topic on Vietnamese language Facebook. However, the next morning, the story was um, uh, was found that that is actually a, um, a, a, a a fictional story, and Doctor Hoa's turned out to be um uh, not real at all. Um, say they, they found out that um uh, Dr. Hua was uh, the the face image that the Facebook accounts use um um described as uh, Dr. Hua was actually someone in Singapore and the, the two baby that, that uh um, uh, that Dr. Hua helped deliver actually came from the baby who he was, uh, he was helped deliver by other doctors several months before that. And also the hospital described in the post where the incident took place also confirmed that such thing never happened. So uh, after, after the story was proved um, to be false, uh, the entire society was shocked because um, at the beginning almost every single person believed in the story. A lot of people cried. Lots of people, cry, lots of people um, um, uh, share their thoughts on Facebook, saying that is such a heroic act, and 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 they they really believe in humanity. They really believe in in you know the the frontline worker in Vietnam who dedicated to their uh, patients so much that they sacrificed their own parents. But then after everything turned out to be just a, a very misleading story, and nothing was true at all. The people lost faith in in in, in a lot of people who shared the the story including Unfortunately, some people from civil society sector as well. Oh. So now, even though um, you know uh, the story had taken place a week ago, but uh, the impact is still uh, is still very uh, fresh. And now people still debate about that. The police say that they are investigating, but uh, nothing has come out yet. And I think the most important thing and the most consequent consequential issue from this story is that now people
0: have lost faith
3: on the on these. Civil society and has lost faith in human humanity at uh, 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 as as a whole yeah
0: I mean in retrospect, it sounds like such a fantastical story that you know, and I think that some people in Vietnam were thinking this is kind of like something that was uh, like propaganda that was you know put out. Um, during the communist revolution of a revolutionary hero who's totally selfless, you know, for the greater good of, uh, you know, of the Vietnamese people, that kind of thing. But do we actually know who was behind this Facebook post of Dr. Khoa?
3: Well, um, sadly, um, I don't think people have the means to find out who actually is behind uh, the story of Doctor Hua. And as I said, the police has so far not coming up with any conclusion yet. But look, uh, if you look at the history of the Communist Party in Vietnam, this kind of story is really uh, common, you know, during the uh, during the land reform, let's say in the fifty and sixty, the 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 story of people who turned their parent to uh, to the authority because their parent was the enemy of the state was very common. And during the Vietnam War, um, uh, this kind of story also uh, was very uh, used, very 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 often by the authority as well. And after the fall of Saigon, again this motif, the, the, this kind of story was used. Against uh, people in the South who, who who work with the South Vietnamese regime, uh, we have story of of young girls and young boys who denounce their parents because their parents work for for the puppet regime of South Vietnam. So now, because of that policy of propaganda, so in Vietnam, when people listen to this kind of story of someone who sacrificed their own parents for for the for, for the for the cause. Uh, I would say, you know, um, because it's the pandemic now, and this is true that a lot of, of uh, medical workers are now sacrificed a, a lot for the uh, for the protection and also for the um, for for saving people life. However, because Vietnamese people we live in this kind of society and, li- and listen to this kind of story too many times already, that's why very quickly after just a few hours after the story was published, people already question the, you know legitimacy and, uh, and, and and the origin of the story and the authenticity of the, and the, the, the story. And very quickly, it was proved to be false information. Yeah.
0: yeah, there are some negative sides to this. I mean, we don't know who was behind this story, whether it's the government or not. I mean, you were saying that there were two people related to the state media who've been who've been fined, right, because of um, that they, you know, um, shared this this story. But ultimately, we yes. don't know who was behind it. But you're I mean, it's it's very interesting to me that you're saying that also civil society people were spreading this this story as well. And that's having a negative effect on on them. Can you just say a little bit about that?
3: It is. Yes. As I said that when the story uh, was published, if tens of thousands of people share it. Uh, and, and many of them were people uh, from Civil societies, organization, uh, very influential people who running very good uh, charitable institution and also. Uh, projects that have poor people and and, and people in the region where natural disaster took place very often. So now because of these people sharing these stories, so um, many many people in the country now question uh, the uh, credibility of, of these people who, who are from civil society. So um, the most consequential impact uh, this story has created so far is that many people now uh, questioning whether people should continue to support civil society or not because of their very founder share this kind of story and because of their, uh, you know, uh, uh, representative and and, and and other influential people uh, share the story. So now a lot of people are debating um, whether whether this uh, organization are trustworthy uh, a lot of people are very critical of these of this individual and also of, of their organization as well so i think we are facing a crisis now the crisis of trust Uh, in which I think poor people would be uh, affected uh, more seriously. um, Because uh, imagine that these civil society organizations now uh, uh, start receiving funding and donation from the society, then there is no way they can continue their work. And ultimately, poor people and vulnerable people in the society will be affected. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Sun, very much for sharing your insights on how misinformation in Vietnam about the incredible Dr. Khoa, the the fictional Dr. Khoa, has burnt, not just the people in the state media, but civil society as well.
3: Thank you very much, Matt, for having me.
1: Thanks to Matt and Sun for unraveling the mystery of Dr. Khoa. That case seems a lot less clear cut than the one in China about the swiss biologist. there it was pretty clear that the state media for political reasons was promoting a story that proved to be false in vietnam it seems like a lot of people were suckered in by a story that was too good to be true
0: yeah and you know it struck me that in authoritarian systems like in vietnam that people, you know, may be even more vulnerable to being duped by misinformation, and I say that because you don't really get much fact-checking and verification of stories, or at least that's my my impression that you sort of would um, you would in Western media outlets. I mean, what do you think?
1: Well, yeah, I think so. There, there's no real gold standard, uh, you know, when they talk about the quote unquote quality press. I always question does China really have a quality press? They their state media are mostly useful from the point of view of outside reporters as just being a record of what's formally said by the government. They're almost stenographers. And they're not trusted widely by, you know, certain classes of people at home. So, you know, when there's a, a lot of lot going on, there's just there's no anchor. Uh, of of truth. Now, that's not unique necessarily to China, but I think there is, especially with a Leninist-type regime. The other thing is that with China, once there's a party line, you have to serve it, and your career depends on that. So it's hard to say no, and it's hard to correct error.
0: Indeed, indeed. And and people aren't going out and admitting their errors, at least not in the Chinese system, it seems. Please join us again next week for another sampling of RFA's coverage. Until then, you can visit our website, rfa.org. Our past podcasts are available on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Just search for Eyes on Asia. If you have any feedback or suggestions, please drop us a line or attach an audio message. Our email is eoa at rfa.org. It stands for Eyes on Asia. I'm Matt Pennington with Radio Free Asia, joined by Paul Eckert. This podcast is edited by Eugene Huang. The series is created by Leo Kim and produced by Radio Free Asia. Thank you for listening, and please join us again.